What up, world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican Powerhouse Mike for Hire, the podcast. Mr. Harry, the Puerto Rican Kaiju himself, Christian Joe Ramos, back at it again with a wonderful review today. And we're going to continue with the same old same with the Fast and Furious Fast Saga, starting with Furious 7. I'm here with my guest co-host today, Raul Montero. Say what's up to the folks. Food. Yeah, that's, that's just, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Furious 7. How about we start off with you just giving the quick like little thing, the whole like directorial. You you go in your in on your spiel. Well, this movie for me, like I was so scared when it was in production because just reading up right here, they only had like three months of Paul Walker rest on in, film. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. This is the time where his uh, sad passing occurred, and yet. God awful charitable race thing that he did. That um, I mean, it, it was a great event. It was just awful incident that occurred. No, he was leaving the event. That's even more fucked. Oh yeah. my god. So he was done. He just was just going home. That's just, yeah. I'm I'm damn it. If he just like stalled, you know, it sucks to hear that. It just sucks. It's it's still you still feel it today. Yeah, like we were talking about this recently. Like he could have been like what Keanu is now. He could have. He had some other films in the in the pipe that were like really, kind of like fleshing out him as a different type of actor, more like a serious action star. Yeah. Not that again, Fast and Furious wasn't not trying to be serious because it's not a comedy, but it would have been even more serious and more like R-rated version of what we got with Byron O'Connor. Yeah, and like a Taken series or like the John Wick, something of that caliber, which is coming down. We are almost there, and sadly, he passed away. He was literally, like, one year away. Crazy. If you think about it, John Wick drops in 2014. Yeah, the, it would have spun off a whole, like, bunch of movies with that same type of theme. <sighs> well, who's to say what would have happened? But, um, again, rest in peace to the late, great Paul Walker. And um, you'll always be you always be our... Uh, family. Our family. So, this one here, we start off with James Wan taking over from Justin Lin because Justin Lin was just done with this, essentially, at this point. And James Wan, who just came off The Conjuring at this point and came yeah. off of what else? He came off of something action-paced. I forgot what it was. Uh, I don't remember, but I think this is the movie that got him Aquaman. This is the movie that got him Aquaman. Okay, yeah. so, And that's why he wasn't the director of the next film, so that makes perfect sense. Yes. Because the directional camera angles, the cinematography. This movie was very Justin Lin-ish without being heavy on Justin Lin. And it just – Juan created something visually different. He gave us angles that we haven't seen before as far as in the fight sequences of this film. So I, I got to give him props. He definitely made this movie stand out on its own. Yeah. And the thing that I got to give him kudos for is – just okay. I know how the Fast and Furious movie is supposed to be, but let me just add a little bit of my seasoning in here. Just needs a little bit of spice. <laughs> you put some sauce in there, and woo! So, all right, let's get started. James Wan directed it, obviously written by Chris Morgan, based on the characters of Gary Scott Thompson. Once again, same producers as the last time: Neil H. Moritz, Vin Diesel, and Michael Fattrell, starring the usual suspects and then some: Vin Diesel as Dom Toretto. Paul, the late great Paul Walker as Brian O'Connor, Dwayne DeRock Johnson as uh, Luke Hobbs, Michael Michelle Michael Michelle Rodriguez as Letty, Tyrese Gibson as Roman, Chris Ludacris Bridges as Tej, 
Jordana Brewster as Mia and Juman Hansu is in this film. Yes. And he had a bit part, but he's, I think it's big. It was, was he in the previous film as well? No. He wasn't mentioned in six. No. Oh, okay. So it's seven and eight that he pops in. No, just seven. Just seven, huh? That's how long seven was. It felt like two movies. Uh, Kurt Russell is uh, debuts in this film, right? As Mr. Nobody. As Mr. Nobody. This role was made for him, and apparently it wasn't supposed to be Kurt Russell. No, I think the initial... Who was it that was initially? Was it Tommy Lee Jones? No, Tommy Lee Jones was initially supposed to be The Rock. No shit, that's right. That's Because the whole fugitive aspect. Which, again, U.S. Marshal of that movie with uh, Wesley Snipes and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, So who was supposed to be Kurt Russell? It was supposed to be a famous action star of that same era. So if it wasn't Kurt Russell... I think it was Harrison Ford. That would make sense. I'm... Let's see here. So um, let's just focus on one more stuff here. Uh, we got Christian Wagner direct, uh, edited it. Dylan Highsmith, Kirk Mori, Lay, Falls and Boyd. Music by Brian Tyler. Production by Media Rights Capital and Original Film. One Race Films, Universal Studios. Once again, Universal Studios makes a lot of money off this franchise. Now, let's just get to it. It was a runtime of an hour and, I mean... An hour and 37 minutes? Oh, no, wait. Uh, Two hours, 17. Two hours, 17. The longest so far. Yeah. And it made sense why it was so long. Yeah. Uh, there's so much happened in this film. And this is one that I skipped. This is literally one of the ones where I'm like, I'm done with this. Because the trailer for the film did not entice me. It looked like it was get, leaning way too heavily on ridiculousness. But I kind of wish I saw it when it came out. Because looking back at it, it would it would have been nice to see this with a loud uh, reaction from from the uh, yeah that audience of, you know that sort of like mob reaction whenever you go to the theater, especially like an end game when Captain gets the hammer or like those pivotal moments when uh, Spider Man pops in Winter Soldier yeah like those are the moments you want to be there when like oh my god you know. And this film was fun. I did not expect to be as good as the previous film, which, again, not that it was a letdown, but Fast Five was a hard a hard uh, thing to top, right? For yeah. Me. I really love Fast Five. But damn it if I'm not wrong, Seven, Furious Seven was up there with it, the same. It was like, even taking away what happened to Paul Walker, I feel like this is still an extremely enjoyable movie. Absolutely. And the fact is, too, the film is ridiculous. But, it, it, listen, I just love the casting, right? Uh, Jason Statham returns, obviously, as the Englishman, uh, the English... Uh, Deckard Shaw. Deckard Shaw. Uh, he's a special forces, ex-special forces. Yeah. Um, and he's trying to, like, I guess, get revenge for his brother, who is still alive in the, in, in the hospital. Uh, let's start with the, the actual plot. So, after defeating Owen Shaw, securing pardons for their past crimes... Dominic Toretto, Brian O'Connor, and the team have returned to the U.S. to live normal lives. Donna tries to help Letty Ortiz regain her memory because she didn't have amnesia in the previous film, while Brian accustoms himself to just being a dad. And it's yeah. funny because it's like, oh, yeah, he's domesticated now. He's no longer this big action star, big, uh, you know, FBI guy. He's just a normal dad in a minivan. Yeah. Which I thought was endearing. It's like, all right, we're bringing more humanity to the characters, not just badasses. They're people. So, meanwhile, Owen's older brother, Deckard, breaks into the hospital, and this scene is badass. Dude, like... Not expected. It's ridiculous because his brother's in a hospital, 
And then he starts, like, nearly blowing up the entire building on some, like, total recall level craziness. Like, it looked like a, a tornado went through that hospital. Like, this is nuts. And My favorite thing is, like, when he had a grenade and he was like, here, hold this. Yeah. And, like, just takes a dude and, like, pushes him over a chair. And, uh, mind you, we were like, wait, he's in a British hospital holding a, a, a Mac 9, a Mac 10 or whatever it was. No, it was an M9. That's what it was. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? How did you get that? And you can't even get handguns in damn England, let alone machine guns. And then it made sense because it was all, like, the SWAT team who had yeah. all the guns like oh okay so he was able to take that entire uh scotland yard like nothing this is freaking crazy decker shaw pretty much is solidified his badassery in this film like he's he's not to be underestimated <laughs> and not to mention him being responsible for killing holland allegedly killing Han. that's <laughs> correct uh <laughs> and can we just talk about the world's longest drift race listen the same way that we had the world's longest uh, tarmac in the last couple of films, and they actually allude to it with Luke Hobbs, Luke Hobbs with um, with uh, Owen Shaw in this film when they take him out of you know when, yeah. when he ends up back in the same situation. I think it's funny, but the whole movie was again. I'm not gonna give this synopsis. This movie's been out for a few years. So much happens. The return of so many characters. The kind of like the. It, it almost felt like this is the final movie that had to have everybody in it, and some people were like, "I weren't, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting." And um, again, I wasn't expecting Jason Statham's return. I was, I mean, yes and no because this, they set him up at the end of six. They set him up at the end of six, and the trailer for this. Remember, they were having a what was the trailer for this? Marvel for seven, like. I love seeing Abu Dhabi. I love seeing your future ex-wife, Natalie Emanuel. Oh, yeah. Wait, Abu Dhabi was this one? Yeah. Oh, so this is the one where Ronda Rousey's in it. Yes. That was a nice addition. Um, the last one we had Gina Carano, and now this one had Ronda Rousey. So yes. It, it seems the theme is we need a badass MMA chick in every movie now. And not to mention the obligatory musician cameo with Iggy Azalea. And Romeo Santos himself. Bro, the movie started with Romeo Santos. Like, he's the guy that gave him the safe and five. Yes. Kind of like tying in. The, like, this movie, what James Wan was well written. Like, let's actually give context to how the hell they get a guy that no one guy has a safe. And they're like, oh, there he is. Romeo Santos is guy in the DR with a big-ass mansion. And he's got armed security. And, of course, Mia's pregnant at this time from the previous film. So they weren't safe in their own home because their home blew up. Yes. Because of... Deckard Shaw leaving a nice surprise at the yes. doorstep. That was crazy right there. What Han dropped off for me? A turbocharger? Yeah, and then, my God, and then it actually cuts into, like, Tokyo Drift, where you see um, Jason Statham taking out Han. Like, it just, yeah. and uh, it all ties in together very Like, well. even bringing back Lucas Black, even Bro, that, that scene, scene made no sense to me because you you called it out, too. He looked mad young because of Tokyo Drift. And he aged 10 plus years when they use them. That's why I said the world's longest drift scene. And the world and the and and the world's oldest record holder of oldest seventeen-year-old yes. or 18-year-old. It's like, what the fuck? This guy literally was the same age in over a decade. Aged about 20 years, because let's be honest, the guy didn't look he doesn't even look his age. He looks a little older. It's the hairline. Hairline was was receding like he's just getting older, just you know, part of life, but God, he was already in his 20s when he was playing that role back then. So Yeah. <laughs> I think 
execution was right, but these movies should have came out a little bit sooner from each other. They should have had a more cohesive plan, so that way he wouldn't look so old. Right. But I think he was also filming, like, NCIS yes, at he, the same time. NCIS uh, New Orleans or something. He's, yeah. He's been a regular uh, on that show for a long time. And I'm like, oh, so that's where he kept his film career going. I thought he just stopped acting. And then I realized, oh, not every movie star stays a movie star. Sometimes you got to pay the bills. And nah, I, I liked him in uh, the Jackie Robinson movie, 42. See, I haven't seen that one. Oh, it's so good. I, don't you like Chadwick Boseman movie I seen with the James Brown one? I'll get on up. Yep, which I loved. It's not in theaters, and that was awesome. But I definitely got some uh, the Jack Robinson movie forty two. But yeah, so Ramsey's oh man, Natalie Manuel. I'm I'm just gonna give Christian the mic real quick as he like gushes about his soon to be future ex wife. Not even that she's good looking. She's a great actress. I love her acting in Game of Thrones. And I like that in this movie, they gave her a personality. And I love that the personality of the IT person isn't just one person. You have Tej and her who have this symbiotic, like, hey, we're both techies who know stuff that people think we're supposed to be dorks because of this stuff. Like, no, we're just really intelligent people. And then you got Tyrese as Roman who's just like uh, Captain uh, Coping Mechanism. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's just a lot going on with the character development here. This love triangle, I would say, between these these three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as uh, Abu Dhabi, the the driving scene. That scene was fucking crazy. I remember seeing that in theaters. I saw this one in theaters, and um, I'm like, "There's no way they can escape." Like Dom, how do you even? Did he just, like, wanted to die? Like, did he even see the other skyscraper? Did he know he can get through? And the fact they barely, like, made it and then just get on the car and lean on open with open skyscraper down, I would have, nah, my balls would have shriveled. I'm, like, I'm not getting that close to the edge of a damn skyscraper where it's fully exposed and you can just fall down. I mean, this movie was nuts. Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention the whole MacGuffin of God's Eye. God's Eye. That's what the whole movie was about, finding God's Eye. And um, who had it? The Russians had it? No. Ramsey hid it in that supercar. Right. That that's what they needed to get to Abu Dhabi for. They couldn't hide. You couldn't uh, not hijack. Well, I guess you're hijacking a car. Yeah. They couldn't get into the car to get the chip. So they just took the whole damn car. Can we just talk about Vin Diesel just casually lifting a supercar? That's some bullshit. That's movie magic. Because no way. Listen, Vin Diesel's strong, but not that strong. Uh, what was the name of the car? Uh, how much? It, I think it's like a Lycan, Lyran, like Ly- a Hypersport. <laughs> Very common question. How much does the Lycan Hypersport weigh? 3,042 pounds. No God forsaken way this man would have been able to lift that up like he's the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> That not even a car jack, like a uh, a car jack to get it up. Like this. I mean, it's a lot of ridiculousness. I mean, Jason Statham throws a grenade that has the rock fall out four stories while saving Elsa Pataki, and just lands on the thing, and all he gets is like a broken arm and leg. Yo, I swear to God, that's funny because um, that scene with him and uh, and Shaw fighting that was when I was in theaters. People were going nuts for that. <laughs> because it's the first time you see them facing each other, and um, that whole fight, he had a rock, he had a rock bottom, <laughs> um, and of course, it, it, you know that that scene alone was just maddening. I'll leave it at that. It was just nuts, and um, it, it definitely set the mood for the entire film because they went from England to like I guess 
Though woods of Germany or somewhere out there, and somehow ended up back in LA. Like it all circled back. It was like some sort of cavern. Yeah, it like was mountain path. Somewhere along, I wouldn't say autobahn, but somewhere along the the English highway. No, Azerbaijan. I oh, think that's what it is. Yeah, near Armenia, Azerbaijan, like near the Caucasus Mountains. So they were out there in uh, the capital, the capital of white folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. I do gotta say, Kurt Russell as Mister Nobody. What was, a great guy, dude! Him with the Belgian ale and just that running gag. <laughs> do you the want some? product placement in this movie was ridiculous. I'm a boy Corona guy myself, and he just so happened to have a cuba tassel of Corona beers. Yes, exactly, with the Corona label right there. I'm like, this is mad cheesy, but funny. Like, I love how the cheese has become hysterical. Like, even when he gets shot and he's bleeding out, he's like. Oh, there's just something I gotta tell you. Which I thought he was dying. She really tried that Belgian ale. <laughs> I thought he was dying though. Like legit, the character felt like he was gonna die. Yeah. And um, you grow to like this guy. I mean, he's a likable actor. This is about the same time as from Guardians, right? Just before. Just before. So I think this is around the time of uh, Bone Tomahawk. Okay. So that was why his hair was growing out, but he didn't have the beard yet. Yeah. Okay. Then in Guardians, he grew the beard out. Pretty sure he shaved it back off for the next Fast and Furious film. Um, my God, this movie was crazy. It was like they were going through the Middle East or going through Europe and end up back home stateside to finish the job where God's Eye runs amok in a, I guess, like a predator like drone or something like yes. that. Yes. And this was crazy because in the end, the final fight. The one I call the Duel of Fates or whatever. Yes, with like two wrenches. <laughs> and like there's Darth Maul and freaking uh, Obi-Wan and uh, Qui-Gon Yes. And Shaw's is there with two, mind you, with two what? With two blades from the damn windshield wiper. Yes. Like, that's, that's, that's nothing. Like, And they're just facing off. I'm like, this is so ridiculous. But it's so much fun. I mean, everyone. You know what happens in a street fight? Street always wins. And then he just gets rocked and taken down, but lives somehow magically. He just, because the way it breaks, he's like slides down safely. He still gets trapped, but he's alive. Um, we got to give a shout out to, all right, Ronda Rousey, not the best actress. I'll give it that. No. Not in this movie at all. She did better in the, uh, in the Entourage film, for sure, where her and the four horsewomen were in it. And um, showed a lot more charisma. In this one, she was very one-note. Yeah. You can tell that's all they had for her. Very, like, bleh. But it's still Ronda Rousey. And she's yeah. fighting Michelle Rodriguez. And they had a crazy-ass fight inside the uh, the party in Abu Dhabi. Yes. So that was a cool – and the, everyone dressed up nice for that, for that big party. And Roman – man, Tyree, he's like, he's like what – I'm sorry. Is this your birthday? She's turning 18 years old. Like, this is guys just going nuts, trying to distract. The, the most corniest pickup lines are just trying to make an ass of themselves as the team, like, tries to hack the garage. Not even a garage. It's really just a room where the car is. The, the hypersport wasn't in the garage. It's on the top of a skyscraper. Kind of a random-ass place to have a car, if you're asking me. It must be rude. It's disrespectful keeping a beast like this caged up here. But, listen, at the end... This is the one where Tyrese gets roast, roasted, right? No, that's six. Okay. So, at the end of this one... Is the tribute to Paul. Oh, that's right. Where he gets to uh, have his son. They're at the beach. And they're all saying nice things about Brian O'Connor. 
and then Vin drives off in his car, and then you pointed out that uh, Paul Walker's car was a white Mustang. Yeah, and it was some biblical undertones that I completely like. What yeah, my head. it's supposed to be like you're taking your white steed. That's on. just like again, it went over my head. I didn't even overthink it, but that was that was magical. And this is the kind of movie that like I don't want to grade because of the circumstances that occurred. But even with all that aside, sadly, with all the you know tragedy involved in the making of it, it was still a pretty phenomenal movie. Yeah. Oh, we also got to talk about Tony Ja too. Tony Ja as the member of the Jakande team. Uh, he's Jaman Hansu has the Jakande team, and he's like the leader. I guess he's like the one of the enforcers there. And he got crazy fight sequences in this movie. Yeah. He's a Thai martial artist. Yeah, that's what the, the Wikipedia page says. I know who he is. Uh, Mo's 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 Jakande was funny. The uh, Nigerian-born mercenary and terrorist who leads a private. Give me Kotai. This guy was meant for this role. Uh, who else stood out here? Uh, Jason Statham. So we kind of, kind of gave everyone. Ludacris fought in this movie, right? Yeah, that was pretty cool to see him do. Yeah, like he just did like the typical pa 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 pa. Some kung fu shit, and like, oh wow, Ludacris is actually fighting in this film. This is like some character development for Ted. He's not just a hacktivist. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's what this. Oh my gosh, this is a fun film though. I gotta say, uh, God's Eye was a. God's eyes essentially with the conspiracy theorists have been saying online. The government, you know, Big Brother's watching. The government's watching us. It kind of took that and kind of made it canon in this film. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, oh wait, we forgot another musician. Who the DJ was T Pain. I knew it was T Pain. It looked like T Pain. So T Pain was the DJ in the film, but he had no speaking roles. He was no. there, so that was pretty cool. That he was making a. Who else was here? Uh, Fazal described his role as a cameo. Who's Fazal? See, I didn't even know. Ali Fazal. He was like their meeting dude. Is he like a famous uh, Middle Eastern musician of some sort? I believe so. Let's find out because that name is uh, very specific. Uh, No, Indian actor. Ah, Ali Fazal is an Indian actor. See, I didn't know who he was. Uh, He's he's young. He's 36. He's not that much older than I am. Uh, He's an Indian actor and model primarily appears in Hindi Hindi films. Oh, so he's a Bollywood actor. Yeah. That makes sense. So he appeared in this role as the rich billionaire friend of uh, Ramsey's, who, mind you, while Tyrese and and, uh, Ludacris were trying to to see who can bag her, he comes in from behind like, Oh, somebody tried to talk to Ramsey. I got my... Her knees, my balls. Oh, my God. He got kicked in the nuts. That was... Again, that was... He... he even though it was a cameo, it was a really strong cameo. Yeah. Because not only was he like this uh, socialite who has all the connections, he was very charismatic. Of course, this guy's a real actor from, like, you know, a Hindi film, so he's got the... I cannot believe presence. you take his car and you drive it through two buildings. Um, actually, it was three. Oh, my mistake. Two buildings, dishonored. Three, understandable. The guy has charisma. He just oozes charisma. And um, But, yeah, that's all I got to say, man. So much – the car scenes where they're actually, like, racing towards uh, the base and, like, all those, like, souped-up cars are, like, pretty much just, like, look like twist, something out of Twist of Metal. That was a great scene right there. Yes. Where I thought they were going to give Tyrese's character, Roman, the demolition car, considering he came from that when he was in uh, California – Remember that he was, you said it, that he was a uh, demolition derby. Yeah, guy. yeah, and too fast. Yeah, and it would have been a callback to, but no, they gave it to Vin Diesel who needed a, to, to, to drop his car off a cliff. <laughs> so yes. 
But again, oh yeah, we didn't even talk about like the cars, like being the raining cars. There were, uh, yeah, it's a lot of crazy shit happened. Uh, the iconic uh, cars parachuting out of the aircraft carrier. Was- and I love the fact that like Roman was like, "Nah, man, I'm gonna stay up here with the pilot," and it's like. Tash just being like, nah, man, I'm sorry to let you down. What you mean? I'm sorry to let you down. Boom. Oh, that was funny. He was scared of heights so bad. But again, that whole scene was just nuts, man. Um, That being said, I got to give this movie five stars out of five. Five for me as well. And not just for the sentimental value of the, like, the homage to, like, Payne Respects Paul Walker, but... That was Khalifa and um, Charlie Poof. Charlie Poof song. That was like a number one hit for a while, man. Yeah, it for a small time was the most viewed video on YouTube. And um, man, that's I know they did that for for, for they added that for for for, uh, for Brian O'Connor's character, kind of like they didn't want to kill him off, which yeah. is great. Kind of just retired him off instead. Like you're gonna just gonna go home and be a family man. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all right, so we're gonna take a. Uh, Second, and we're going to talk about part eight. And, uh, yeah. All right, let's talk about the eighth installment, The Fate of the Furious, this time directed by F. Gary Gary. Who, F. Gary uh, Gray. Oh, sorry, F. Gary Gray. My eyesight's terrible. Who just came off of uh, the straight out of Compton at this point in his uh, career. Uh, great film as well in its own. Uh, same people were in production, and obviously it's the same exact everything. So I don't have to go over that. This film, let's just read the plot, shall we? The following defeat of Deckard Shaw and Mosey Jaconde. Dominic Toretto and Lenny Ortiz are on their honeymoon in Havana, Cuba. When Dom's cousin Fernando gets in trouble owing money to the local racer, Raldo. Sensing Raldo's a loan shark, Dom challenges him to a race, pitting his Fernando's 1949 Chevrolet Fleetline against Raldo's 1956 Fairlane Crombic and wagering his own 1961 Chevrolet Impala. This thing is all beaut, that car. Yes. Candy red and everything. And I love the fact how the movie just, like, takes you straight to Cuba, which I think they mentioned this, that it's the first American film shot in Cuba. Which is awesome. Since the embargo. Because they probably, I remember that time they were lifting the embargo of some sorts, and, um, my God, you know, this film, it starts off in the tropical Caribbean. And, of course, Cuba looks still super old school because it hasn't changed the last 50-plus years because of yeah. the embargo. But um, I love that they always take these films in the great settings. So, again, the street race. Again, more racing. Yay. No, not only that, but he takes, like, the busted cars, like, take everything out of here. Seats, everything, anything that's not the motor. And don't forget the Cuban Nas. <laughs> the Cuban Nas and the little Coke can clip. Bro, that was classic. I'm like, he's driving a rocket, a bottle rocket at this point. Like, it looks like a, like a hot rod. Like, he just, you know, changed it up. But my God, this was a fun uh, beginning of the movie. He wins the race, but he lets Raldo keep his car. But now his cousin's like, what about me? I don't have a car. He's like, well, you're a Toretto. You should be riding around that junk. Hmm. Anyways, like, he gives the key to his car. Yeah, and not to mention when he... Wins a race against Raldo. He's like, you earned my car and my respect. It's like, keep your car. I'll just take the respect. Which is pretty dope. So, yeah. So, that was a fun sequence. And also, Toretto's got family everywhere, huh? Yeah. Which really begs the question, like, did his dad get around a lot? I mean, necessarily. We didn't know his, like, ethnicity in the films. But now we know... 
part of it is Hispanic, so he's got Cuban Cuban blood in him somewhere. So I'm assuming his dad must have been military. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. And um, but yeah, so the movie was this is the one where in the trailer you saw Hobbs and Shaw ready to fight, yes. imprisoned with orange jumpsuits. You're like, all right, what is the plot of this film? But the whole plot was um, Don go, going rogue for a yeah. rogue mission. Because Charlie Starrett, the series' best villain. Cypher. Oh, my God. So he is the kind of – she's the kind of villain that, like, really takes it to the next level. Yeah, like, she shows up in the middle of Cuba and presents Dom, like, you're going to want to join me after you see this. And the entire movie is just, like, building on and on it whatsoever. Meanwhile, hard cut to The Rock, pulling a haka in the middle of his daughter's, like, soccer game. And the one a, girl that's like, I don't even want to play anymore. That was a funny sequence, like, where he's, like, a soccer dad, literal soccer dad. And uh, he's taking it very seriously. Yeah, and, like, even all the moms that are there, like, eyeballing him, it's like, yeah, they're here for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> My God, that sequence is funny when the government's trying to get him to recruit him for a mission, but he's like, uh, can you see I'm busy right now with my daughter? Like, this looks yes. really more important. That was a fun sequence. Like, I, I'm going to kick you. If my daughter loses this game, I'm going to have all of them form a line and kick you right in the Tay-Tay. Oh, my God. The whole, like, getting tickets. The, the, this whole sequence is funny. I can't verbatim just quote it, but... uh it was it was fun, man. It was they had a good time with uh, not taking themselves very seriously. Yes, and, and giving Hobbs more of a character development. I will say this: F. Gary Gray, in the way this movie was shot, was a lot more streamlined yeah. than like a bunch of the other ones. Where like it's like boom, 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 boom. But yeah, so um, let's see here. Uh, what did I point out? Cypher is this new intergalactic, international cyber terrorist. Like she's so, uh, she's so advanced that even anonymous doesn't want to fuck with her. Not only that, she's always erasing her trace anytime she makes a move. So she, the government only has a picture because of God's eye. Yeah, but they can't pinpoint her at any point because she always has blockers. And not only that, but massive relays all over the place. Yeah, so she's like Carmen San Diego in this world. It's just like impossible to catch. But she was in Cuba with a broken down car, and Don was there with a baguette and a and a, and a rose. And a rose. I'm like, first off, that bag should have some platanos in it. If she's in Cuba, <laughs> a gallon, a gallon of a bottle of milk. You know what I'm saying? Like it just like a, it just seemed a little too romantic for Don. Like, or like the. Find the aqua or whatever. Right. Like, I like the Cuban Dom wears a guayabera with the, with the A shirt under. And, like, he's just in the white linen pants. Like, this guy is definitely on yeah. vacation mode. Also, we forgot to mention that Letty does get her memory back. Eventually. At the end of seven. End of seven. She does because she thought Dom died. Yeah. And it all comes back to her. Um, didn't she punch Hector in 7 2 when they went to Yes, race? yes. They brought back Race Wars for one scene. That was a nice Race callback. Wars, we created them. There was a lot of callbacks to the old movies. The like house was blown up. That's a callback. Uh, and now in this film, the house is being built, right? Like Rebuilt, yeah. Yeah, so again, it's a lot going on. But at the same time, it's a matter of like this film 
had so many sub stories, but like it all like t- connected, like Charlie Day with a damn uh, Pepe Silvio board. Yeah, so it was a matter of they brought back Neves, who was apparently shocker pregnant with Dom's kid. She didn't know until he remarried Letty. Yeah, so it was his old debacle thing. Like so, Cipher stole her, kidnapped her, and his child, and had him in like this. Glass door in there. It's like the movie Room. Yeah, in this in this glass room, and that's why that's why Dom is now working for her. And mind you, you got a uh, Giants Giants Bane uh, from Dor- Tor- Torment Torment from uh, Game of Thrones as the one of the main villains. Rhodes, his name was right. Yeah. Um, you know the other Rhodes in the family. There's Cody. There's Dustin. There's Lana. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Christopher Hevesu as Connor Rhodes, a right hand and second in command. Yep. Charlie Starin, cipher, criminal mastermind, cyber terrorist to coerce Dom into working against his own team by holding Elena and her son hostage. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Tego Calderon and Don Omar reprise their roles as Tego, Tego Leo and Rico Santos, hmm. formerly members of Dom's team from Los Mandoleros <laughs> and in Fast and Furious Fast Five. Patrick's St. Esprite appears as D.S. Allen. Luke Evans reprises the role from... Listen, they bring back everybody. Yes, because they connect everything. Because Dom has a five-minute window. And in that five-minute window, he has a delivery truck back up, driven by the dude from Cuba, as he goes inside... Of a bar where he bumps into Queenie Shaw, yes. Helen Mirren, where they where they make a deal to find Owen and fake out Deckard's death. Yeah, that, a lot went on here, and good God, it's like a it's like a very elaborate tenor Like this is just super intense, and um, it was a good time. It was a lot. I enjoyed the convo. Like first off. Because Dom didn't do – because he hesitated not killing uh, Letty and during a mission, um, Cypher made him pay for it by having uh, Connor kill Nevis. Yeah. And like in cold blood with a silencer. And the next time his son will be the next victim if he doesn't follow through. And the whole movie, he's trying to find a way to deep faker so that way that uh, <laughs> so he's able to uh, take her out before she can find where he is and – it's elaborate. Um, but yeah, Helen Mirren announced in an interview with Elle that she would appear in the film during an interview with Chris Mannix in July and Lucas Black confirmed he would not appear in the eighth installment due to scheduling conflicts with NCIS New Orleans. Yep, that's what yep. it was. So he does doing that show forever now. Uh, but outside of Hel- additional characters like Helen Mirren in this movie, um, of course, Scott Eastwood was in this film, right? Yeah, he was little nobody. He was like... Getting kicked around. Yes, he was... Basically trying to fill, like, the lawman sort of thing that Paul Walker would have brought. But yeah. he's, like, way too by the book. So much so that, like, when Hobbs gets, like, arrested and he's like, think about your daughter, man. Even Russell's like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> and he breaks out the handcuffs and just, like, lifts it. Like a baby. He picks him up like a small child. And I'm like, this is nuts. Like, this movie's crazy. That whole prison fight was pretty awesome, by the way. But Scott Eastwood... Enjoying the franchise. It almost felt like it wasn't enforced. It just felt like he, I guess he kind of like fit in just, just about right. Like, like he's, he's cheesy enough to fit the movie role, but also can play uh, the straight, you know, guy like. 
Yeah, he finally got it, like, near the end. Yeah, he finally realized what he's getting himself into in this film. But this whole movie was crazy. This whole movie was fun. I mean, exotic locations like New York City, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Or Russia. Bro, the whole Russian scene where they're driving, they're, like, they're crazy, like... It's like, uh, this is missions literally life or, life or death. It's like, stop a nuke or the world ends. There's just no other way. It's yes. And you got Roman going out there in a bright, bright neon orange, orange Lamborghini. Oh, it's a Lamborghini. I thought yeah. it was a Bugatti. No, it's a Lamborghini because, you know, it's why. They're in snow. They're not going to the damn desert. It's like, oh, my God. Why are they shooting at me? Uh, maybe because you're the one with a neon orange sign on oh, your back? Rio, bro. That shit was hysterical. Like, this guy is a fool. But that's why we love him. Um, I don't know what to say, man. It's just a matter of this film was just fun. It's my favorite. Really? Over five, I put this one on the most. It had all the best parts. I mean, it had a lot of great character development. Um, only thing it didn't have was Brian, right? I mean, yeah, he was. They mentioned. make one line, one line about him, like "Don't bother him." He's, you know, he's settled down, yeah. into regular life. It's true. He's the, he's done, and enough. that's why they didn't even bring back Jordana Brewster. That's which sucks for Jordana Brewster because it's like, damn, that means she can't be in the sequels anymore. I mean, she could pop in maybe in the light last movie there at a family dinner. Mm. Oh, she does come back. Yeah. That that's not a spoiler. She's in both nine and ten. Oh, okay, cool. So we shall see what occurs. Mm. Uh, but as far as these films, um, eight was ridiculous to the point that again, I don't want to see it in theaters. This is a movie. I'm like, this looks like they're going over the top. Like this is just so ridiculous. But guess what? It was. I underestimated how fun the fucking movie was. Yes, I mean, there's a scene where the Rock picks up a torpedo. And just, like, launches it somewhere else. This is not the franchise where you're, like, looking at stuff like that. Or, you know, Vin Diesel having a heat seeker brought around, shot behind a submarine. It just... Eight is just one of those ones that I acknowledge how crazy it is. Like, why do you watch those movies? It's movies like 8 that, like, keeps me coming back. And it's funny because, again, people who really appreciate the street driving of the films, right, a lot of them, um, how do I say this? Uh, a, lot, a lot of people that watch the original, right? Yeah. Which at this point is 25 years old when this movie came out. There's been a lot of clone movies come out with the same. No, fifteen years. Yeah, a lot of copycat movies that came out this time. They did not get sequels, and they're not get the same initial. They're just the magic to this franchise, and I can't understand why they want to milk the shit out of it. And yeah, that'll think, confirm that the last movie is going to be a trilogy, which is like okay. At least they have a finale set up. Now we actually know that you know, part eleven is three parts, so it's like. Attack on Titan, for God's sake. So yeah. they're like, we're splitting this up in three portions. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, that being said, I had a good time with this film. I, I mean, I can't complain much. I mean, Jason Statham just... <laughs> so, he went from being the main villain to now being like the... 
it's the running gag. The villain becomes a friend eventually. In like, this is like another episode of Dragon Ball or something. Or <laughs> absolutely, and just him, the whole scene with him and the baby, and his brother also being there as well. Yeah, bringing back Owen Shaw, which he he called him Scarface and uh, mm-hmm. other names. Like, yeah, like. It's I love how even the mom was like, I can't believe you're making your mother upset. It's like, all right, mom, I'll do it. Got you. Yeah. Every time. Because <laughs> Deckard Shaw isn't a monster. And you know what's funny? This movie kind of showed more Deckard Shaw's like, human side where him and, and Hobbs were able to share a laugh. Like they put their differences aside eventually and just like were able to. You know, after like The Rock pulled off like his cement like bench and started like. Doing curls with it. Yeah, I just... <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is, but the whole movie's ridiculous. Now, this movie, uh, its budget was 250 to $270 million, right? Yes. $1.236 billion to the box office. Still less than Fury 7, which I think was one point five. That's still a success, which, yeah, you're right. Yeah. $190 million, $250 million made $1.5 billion if you're wondering why these sequels keep getting made people are still going to theaters and watch them that's why and not to mention they make a killing overseas because people it's will, a worldwide film it literally has every ethnicity like people say like oh you know this this woke culture movies like no this movie isn't even that woke it just has people from everywhere like you can see yourself in every character in this fucking movie like i'm tired of people just undermining like like, there's evidence that diversity means money. Yeah, uh, not to mention, we spoke about this since the first movie. It's the only film franchise at the time to really have characters of all different backgrounds. And they all are treated as equals. They're not, like, treated as, like, below than lesser than or, like, sidekicks. Everyone brings something to the table. And I love that every movie they keep adding more people from all different walks of life. And it's the one movie you can sit down and watch and, like, just forget the real-world issues of the, and just, like, really yeah. just That's what movies are for, fantasy. This movie is a giant fantasy film of just, like, absurdity. But this is, again, just like The Avengers. It just balls to the wall with the action. It's just so much fun to watch. Yeah. And, and like, simple. after five, like, I understand people being, like, turned off by, like, the first couple of movies, but, like, everyone can agree, like, five and up is, like, a whole different franchise in a sense. It goes from just being about street racing and, you know, family to becoming, like, the epitome of, like, we're making a superhero film without superheroes. Just blockbuster fun. And this is what you want to see in theaters. You want to see special effects. You want to see crazy-ass stunts. You want to see your favorite actors, like... Who have chemistry on screen, rip, rip, you know, just roast each other and just like get along. It's, it's just, it's a vibe. It's just like you go in there and you're like, this movie is as ridiculous as it is. It's a fun joyride, and that's what you're gonna go in there seeing. So, but you also get like those moments of heart, like when Dom takes the child in, and it's like, oh, and names him Brian. Yes, that's a nice little touch. I knew, it. but we all knew that was gonna be the case. Yeah. His middle name is Marcos, but his mom left the first name uh, for his. She wanted his dad in the name. I'm like, oh, I know what this is going to be. It's going to be a homage to Brian. But and yeah. the fact that they tied in Cypher to six and seven. Yes. Genius way of doing it, too. Yes. Because it's like, offer that job to Deckard first, but then Owen took it. 
Yeah. And Jack Conde was like working with Cypher whatsoever. It Everything. Made it made sense. It didn't feel convoluted. It actually made perfect sense. There's always somebody working with somebody. And of course, it's like they retconned certain characters who are just side characters or like part of a big, because they're all just part of teams. So it's just like, oh, you haven't seen who this person was. And no, this person wasn't. That happens again in nine, too, or ten, as the trailer shows. Where they retcon one of the people that were in the in the car chasing five happens to be Jason Momoa's character in, in the new film coming up. Yeah, so I love that there's genius. This like there's they've been retconning everything since the third film. Yeah, it's just funny how that worked out because it was a whole new cast by the second film. No, by the third film. So yeah, it, it was funny how that goes around. But okay, this has been our review of the Fast and Furious, the Fast Saga. Uh, Furious 7 and Fate of the Furious, so 7 and 8. We're almost to the finish line here. No pun intended. Uh, we got next up in our lined up, Hobbs and Shaw in, in uh, Part 9, right? Yes. Which is another movie you haven't seen yet. No, I haven't seen 8, and I, I loved it. I actually, I, I, I ate my own words. I actually enjoyed it a lot. Even with the crazy EMPs and, like, the absurd fight scenes, it was fun. Um, so, yeah, Hobbs and Shaw did see but I would like to see it again now with fresh eyes again after like so many years because I forgot that Kevin Hart was in, in Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. So technically canon uh, to this universe. Um, so yeah, stick, stick around. We're going to definitely review those films. And then part 10, we'll see it in theater and have its own review for just 10. And I guess we'll just keep reviewing 11 when it comes out as well. Any final words, Earl? Uh, you can always hit me up on my socials, on Instagram, on Twitter, at Miserability, M-I-S-E-R-B-I-L-A-L-I-T-Y. Also, come follow me on Twitch. We are finally, finally finishing up Crisis Core and getting that 250th Platinum. And so, yeah, so follow me on, on Twitch and all his socials, you can find me at wherever podcasts are found as the podcast mercenary. I'm the podcast mercenary himself, Christian Ramos. Till next time, thank you for tuning in. And as always, when you're watching movies with us, you're watching movies with family. Family.